In the name of God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. Amen. Please be seated. We are blessed on this first Sunday of Christmas with uh, three terrific readings, which are good to highlight uh, parts of them for purposes of this morning. The first one, of course, comes from the uh, great poet uh, and prophet Isaiah. It's third Isaiah. This is the prophet of the folks of the Jewish people returning to Jerusalem. As you remember, they have been in exile. Now they have been free to come back to Jerusalem. And as they come back to Jerusalem, they were expecting Jerusalem to look exactly like it did before uh, they had been in exile, but the city had been destroyed. So it's a huge disappointment to come back to Jerusalem and to find that the city that they were expecting to be like it was, was not there anymore. And so the third, the third uh, prophet Isaiah, third Isaiah, the great poet, the great prophet, then tells people good news, says to, invites them all to greatly rejoice, to rejoice and exalt. Those are the ways that uh, two different translations of the passage today, and it said, you can rejoice greatly for two things, because you have been given the garments of salvation, and you have been given the robes of righteousness. Think about that. You have been given the garments of salvation and the robes of righteousness. That's the Christmas gift, the gifts of God for the people of God. You got it on Christmas Day. That was the great gift from God, garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. Now, let's be clear about it. You don't get a garment of salvation and a robe of righteousness so you can lord it over somebody else. It doesn't mean that you're better than anybody else. It doesn't mean that you are higher than anybody else. It also doesn't mean that you're wearing a Kevlar suit. This is not intended to be a Kevlar suit. This is intended to be a sign of grace, a sign of what adorns you, and that this was the great gift from God, the one that we celebrate on Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. Garments of salvation and robes of righteousness. And God invites us to put them on. God invites you to put them on, to put this garment of salvation and this robe of righteousness as an indication that you belong to God, that your identity is tied up with God, that your identity is in God. All of us have all sorts of different ways of describing ourselves. Husband, father, and uh, we hope not in the too distant future, grandfather, but we keep hoping for that one. We're not quite there yet. Priest, employer, employee. We all can name all sorts of ways in which we can identify ourselves. The prophet Isaiah is inviting us to consider because you're wearing this garment of salvation, this robe of righteousness, that you also have an identity, a great identity, and the identity is that you are a child of God. And that robe of righteousness, that garment of salvation is to be worn so that you can identify yourself throughout life in that way. And what a great gift it is. And what the prophet Isaiah is saying to us is, wear them. You got a Christmas Eve Put them on, try it on, and see what difference it makes in our lives. And then we move very quickly to the reading from Paul's epistle to the Galatians. This is the way that I I think he's trying to communicate something very important about human experience. And I think that it is this. We human beings grow. We grow, we must grow, or we get into trouble. Think about it. In our personal relationships, in our love relationships, you know that you have to grow in the relationship. It cannot remain static. Every year you work at growing in the relationship, growing the relationship so that it may be more fruitful. It's the same thing in the workplace, isn't it? 
Just about every profession, just about everything that we do has some sort of continuing education attachment to it. It doesn't matter which college you went to, it doesn't matter which professional school you went to, it doesn't matter which training school you went to, there's always an opportunity to grow in the workplace. My wife co-authored a book a number of years ago which is entitled The Learning Edge, and it was a, a business book, and the book was all about how do you create a learning environment in the workplace so that the people who are working there can grow from year to year, so that they don't become static, so that they don't become dull. And the other part of the book was also about how you can set up your own growth mechanism, how you can go ahead and set it up so that you have a challenge, you create a challenge for yourself year in and year out so that you can grow. You and I know that anybody in the business world, anybody in any profession, if they are not growing, they're going to be bored. And if they're going to be bored, they're going to be trouble. And if they're going to be trouble in the workplace, they are going to get fired. So you're not going to have a job the next year. And the point of it is, you know, you grow. We all grow. And what Paul is inviting us to consider is, we also have to grow in the life of faith. The life of faith can't stay static. The life of faith can't stay stagnant. He begins by saying to us, you know, that we first, our lives were all about the shoulds and oughts of life. But by the birth of the Christ child, we now know that we are children of God. And if we're children of God, then heirs of God. We are no longer slaves. That's what he says at the very end of the epistle to the Galatians. And he says, we grow into a new relationship. And the challenge for you and the invitation for you on Christmas Eve is this. What difference did it make to see the Christ child born in your life once more? And if there's a difference that is made with a Christ child born in your life once more, then how do you grow in the faith? What steps can you take to grow in the faith? It's up to you. Because either we grow or we are diminished. We either grow in the faith or we become static. We grow in the faith or our faith life becomes stagnant. And the invitation is, how do you plan to grow in the faith? How do you plan to grow in the relationship with God? And Paul is clear, everything is about grace. You don't have to earn anything. God has done it for you, but you wear that garment, and now you wear the garment of grace. Paul Tillich, the great theologian of the 1950s, 1960s, 20th century, uh, wrote a sermon on this, and this is how he paragraphed from his sermon. He said, you are accepted by that which is greater than you. Do not seek for anything. You do not need to perform anything. You do not intend, need to intend anything. Simply accept the fact that you are accepted. And in accepting that fact, you and I have grown from being slaves but heirs, children of God, invited to grow in the faith. The third reading comes from John's Gospel. And I'll have to be very honest with you here late in my time at St. John's Church, but every once in a while, John's Gospel gives me a headache. He really gives me a headache. Let me tell you, whenever, every once in a while you read John's Gospel and you read that convoluted logic that he has, the head-spinning discourses, the contradictory sentence structure, every time I read John's Gospel, every once in a while, I, it, it, John just gives me a headache, but not today. Not today. Today he's clear as a bell. This first chapter of John's Gospel is clear as a bell. 
And John sends two messages for you and for me, two good news which are God's gift for the people of God. The first one is this, that God and God's light has chosen to dwell in you. That God's light dwells in you. And two, that you are a bearer of God's light. Because that light dwells in you, you are a bearer of God's light. Many of us, most of us, are familiar with Carl Jung, the great philosopher, psychologist. And it was Carl Jung who called to our attention a shadow, that we all have a shadow. That's what he wrote about, that we have a dark side, a dark side to our being and in our living. We know all of that too well. You know it well, I know it well. Scripture is very realistic about it. Christian faith does not deny it for one moment. And the church is clear that all of us have a shadow side. We know about it. But here's something else. John is reminding us, you have a shadow side. Guess what else you have? You have the light of Christ in you. God has chosen to dwell in you. And choosing to dwell in you means that you have a light side. And the difference for you and for me is the decision, the difficult part is the decision you and I have to make, which is, which is the one that's going to operate in our lives? The shadow side, the dark side, or the light of Christ? And it's up to you. It's up to you how you're going to let that happen. Many of you remember Spencer Rice, who uh, was here for, for us a number of years, and one of his favorite stories was this one. I'll share it with you. And it was a story attributed to a Cherokee wisdom, and it goes like this. One evening, a grandfather was teaching his young grandson about the internal battle that each person faces. The grandfather, the old man, says to his grandson, there are two wolves struggling inside each of us. One wolf is vengefulness, anger, resentment, self-pity, fear. The other wolf is compassion, faithfulness, hope, truth, love. The grandson, listening to his father, sat there, and then the grandfather sat there and finally added, which wolf wins, grandfather? His grandfather replied, the one you feed. And that's true for all of us. There's a struggle in our being. There's a shadow side inside each and every one of us, but today John's gospel reminds us that the light of Christ has chosen to dwell in us. And because of that, we're invited to consider how we choose to live our lives and to remind ourselves that we are called to be God-bearers. I don't know how many of you have read the book by Brian Stevenson, Just Mercy. But in this particular book, Brian Stevenson is talking about going to a church meeting somewhere and detailing the events that caused a 14-year-old by the name of Charlie to have been go gone to jail. And it was a pretty serious crime, so he gets sent to jail for a number of years. And after his presentation in the book, he says that an older couple approached him uh, Mr. Stevenson tried to dissuade them from getting involved with this boy, Charlie. They said, we want to get involved with Charlie. And he tried to dissuade them and said, no, it's too hard. There are too many problems. Uh, it's too hard to connect with somebody that age that is in jail. I, I don't recommend that you do it. I don't recommend that you do it. But the couple, this elderly couple, persisted over and over. So finally, Mr. Stevenson gives in and starts working with them. And they start out, by, in the book it tells us, they start out by writing a letter to Charlie and by and by, Charlie eventually starts to write back to this elderly couple. 
Eventually, with the help of Mr. Stevenson, they meet Charlie. And after they meet Charlie, they work with Charlie until finally Charlie is released and they decide to be the support of the family that Charlie doesn't have. And what I love about this particular episode in the book, Just Mercy, is this, it's the wife, the elderly wife, who is quoted in it, and she says, We all have been through a lot, but if we don't expect more from each other, hope better for one another, and recover from the hurt we experience. She says, we are all doomed. I think that that couple was confronted with a choice between believing the darkness would prevail in life or they could offer the light of Christ in the form of love, presence, and comfort. And as Mr. Stevenson writes in Just Mercy, they changed a life. We have been given three great gifts today. One from the prophet Isaiah. You thought that all you got this Christmas was a sweater. Not quite. You have been given garments of salvation. You have been given the robes of righteousness. Put them on. Try them out. Wear them. See how you feel. See how you see life. Paul reminds us that we grow or we become static. We grow or we become stagnant. We grow or we die. And he invites us to consider, how do you grow in the faith so that you're no longer a slave with oughts and shoulds, but rather you are a child of Christ, doing in Christ's name what you want to do in Christ's name, not because you have to. And finally, we hear the great good news of John's gospel. God has chosen to dwell in you. The light of Christ dwells in you. And you're invited to be a God-bearer, a bearer of God's light. Amen.